Welcome back once again to our series, uh, Looking Unto Jesus. Today, I'm going to bring up an author that we've already looked at, but he's one of my favorite, John Flavel from the 17th century. And uh, it's just a short quote that we have from him, but it is very, very powerful. And it shows you uh, really the man's heart that he has studied the scriptures and in the scriptures he has seen Jesus and he looks all around him. The entire universe is complex and beautiful as it is and realizes that it's nothing, that it pales in its beauty and its wonder compared to the Lord Jesus. And it's my prayer that we would all um, have a heart like his. Uh, John Flavel, and I'll read. O fair sun and fair moon and fair stars and fair flowers and fair roses and fair lilies and fair creatures, but O ten thousand thousand times fairer, Lord Jesus. And then he says, Alas, I have wronged him in making the comparison this way. O dark sun and moon, but O fair Lord Jesus. O dark flowers and dark lilies and roses, but O fair, fair, even fair Lord Jesus. O all things fair, dark, deformed, and without beauty, when ye are set beside the fairest Lord Jesus. O dark heaven, but O fair Christ. O dark angels, but O surpassingly fair Lord Jesus. Jesus. Uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we look into our hearts and we see many things that are lacking, even many idols that should not be there. We would desire to be useful servants and to have fruitful ministries. But Lord, we shun all those petitions and we ask you for the greater gift. Show us Christ and make Christ precious to us. Give us a heart that would love your son unusually, above, above all things, above ministry, above preaching, that he would, would reign supreme as the desire of our heart. And then, Lord, we know that if things are set aright in this way in our heart, that everything else will fall in order. Oh, Lord, give us a heart let us be known for one thing, that man, that woman, they loved Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing we need to see is that John Flavel is not despising God's creation. He says, O fair sun and fair moon and fair stars and fair flowers and fair roses and fair lilies and fair creatures. When we look around us, at this world, even, even the simplest pieces of creation, we see a complexity that should cause us just to fall to our knees 
and, and marvel, whether it be a leaf on a tree or a cricket on, on a leaf, or whether it be a tadpole swimming in the water or a deer running through the glade. All these things, the heavens, the stars, the sun, the moon, all of them are declaring constantly the glory of God. And there is enough beauty, complexity, and wonder even the thing in the things that have been made that we could spend countless lifetimes seeking out the glory of God in those things and never come to an end. But there is something, there is someone else. And when we compare even the marvels of creation to him, to one glimpse of him, not only do they pale in their beauty, but compared to his beauty, it's almost as if they are, they are ugly, twisted, deformed, dislocated. And, and that's the point that John Flavel is seeking to make here. He says, O fair sun and fair moon and fair stars and fair flowers and fair roses and fair lilies and fair creatures, the wonder of it all, but O oh, ten thousand thousand times fairer, Lord Jesus. When we hear something like that, we need to know it's not simply metaphor. It's not an, a hyperbole, an exaggeration, something that we dismiss as a, a romantic opinion of a, of a poet. It's biblical. Do you see that? It's biblical. This is what scripture says about him. And we must act on that by faith. We must believe that he is as great as scripture declares him to be. And that even the inspired word falls short because of our limitations of revealing to us all that he is. He's far fairer than anything. If the heavens he made. If, if ear has not heard of such things and eye has not seen such things of the things he's made. How much more the one who made them. And, and, and that's what should drive us faith that God is as great, as wonderful, as excellent, as beautiful. As he, he claims to be. He claims to be. After describing Jesus this way, in a miraculous way, in a beautiful way, fairer than all of creation, he comes back and he says, no, Flavel says, I I've wronged him. I have wronged him in making the comparison this way. And you see, this is, this is the real preacher. When, when, when he exhausts every comparison, every illustration, when he pulls out of his um, out of his work chest, every tool to try to show you how wonderful Jesus is. He just walks off the platform with his head bowed. He knows he's wronged him. I, I think I could line up here Calvin Turretin. Uh, Spurgeon, Hodge, I could even bring back R.C. Sproul and no matter what they've written, no matter what they've said, they would bow their head and, 
and say it's a shameful thing I've said because it doesn't come close to describing who Jesus really is, who he really is. He says, I wronged him in making the comparison this way. Now he's going to turn back around. And even though he's called the sun to be fair and the moon to be fair and flowers to be fair, he says in comparison to Jesus, he says, oh, dark sun and moon. And, and think about that. The moon we can embrace with our eyes without it blinding us. But the sun, you are told, and, and rightly so, do not look straight into the sun. It would blind your eyes. Then how much more glorious, how much more full of light is the one who made the sun? O oh, dark sun and moon, but O oh, fair Lord Jesus, O oh, dark flowers and dark lilies and, and roses, but O oh, fair, fair, even fair Lord Jesus. You know, I've, I've had the fortune of my wife has something of a green thumb and she loves to plant uh, flowers. And I've been to Holland to see the magnificent fields of flowers that, that grow there. And, and the fragrance is, is, is overwhelming in its beauty. And yet, even that is a deformed thing compared to the fragrance of Christ. And, and then he goes on and he says, but oh, fair, fair, even fair, Lord Jesus, oh, all, all fair things. He says, gather them all up, basically. Take every fair and beautiful thing on this planet, gather it together. And he says, it can only be described when compared to Jesus as dark, deformed and without beauty. When ye fair things are set beside the fairest Lord Jesus. And if creation could speak, if flowers could speak, if animals could speak. I think they would all bow their head and say it is so. I mean, think about Isaiah 6, 6. I mean, uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through through three, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. And we see the seraphim there, magnificent, burning, angelic beings. We don't know whether the burning is coming from within them. We do not know if the, the burning is just a reflection, them reflecting the glory of the one seated upon the throne. But look at what they do. They, they bow their heads. They, they cover their feet. They cover their, their faces. All creation, if it could speak, would all bear the same testimony about his beauty, his power, his glory. It's enough to make a mind mad. I think that sometimes it's the reason why prophets are identified with madmen. They, they've seen too much of God. And I think they would all say, yes, we are without beauty. Compared to him. And he says, oh, dark heavens, but oh, fair Christ. You know, I've, I've been in the Andes Mountains. I've been up near 18,000 feet. And at night, you, you cannot believe the number of stars in the sky. It's like there's more stars than there are. There is darkness. And the beauty of it is, is breathtaking. But compared to Christ, it's all darkness. 
says, O dark angels, but O surpassing fair Lord Jesus. There's a passage that comes to mind for me, and it's talking about wisdom in Proverbs chapter 3, and how blessed the man is who acquires wisdom, who finds it. I do believe that in, in, to some degree, this is a shadow or, or type of the person of Christ, of the Logos revealed from heaven. And it says, speaking of wisdom, but let's apply it to Christ, who is our wisdom. It says, if we were to change it into the masculine, for his profit is better than the profit of silver, and his gain is better than fine gold. He is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire compares with him. You know, I know that if I can just see Christ as he is, see more and more of Christ, so much of my sin problem will be solved. So much of my devotion problem, my heart would not be so wayward. It would, it would tie itself. It would bind itself, if necessary, to a pole and, and fix its face, turn it toward Christ and cement it there. We need to see more of Christ as he's revealed in Scripture. And the ministers of Christ need to preach more of Christ as he's revealed in the Scriptures. I want to close by looking at a passage. Usually we just deal with a quote, but I was doing a study years ago on First Thessalonians. And there's a passage in which Paul is talking about his preaching, his initial preaching among them. And he talks about how others had reported how the Thessalonians had received Paul in the gospel. And he says in verse 9 of chapter 1, For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God. And there was something said by D. Edmund Hebert. And I still remember it even after all these years. Um, and I do highly recommend all his commentaries. Um, if you notice the order here, even as it appears in our in our English text, it says they turn to God from idols to serve a living and true God, that the, that the idea is that in the preaching of the gospel, they saw a vision of God. They saw a vision of Christ in the preaching of the gospel, and that's what caused them to turn away from the vain idols that were in their life. It's not so much that the Gentile world was looking at all their idols and saying, this, does, this no longer pleases us, or, or they, were, they were disdaining their, their old pagan religions and were looking for something new. No, they were totally satisfied in their idols and their paganism and their empty and vain rituals. They were, they were satisfied. They were okay with it until this little preacher shows up. Ragged, tagged, probably still beaten and sore from persecutions in previous towns. And he shows up, gets in the marketplace, and begins to preach Christ. And when some of them, by the power of the Holy Spirit, saw Christ, 
they turned from their idols. They saw the difference. And you see, we have to preach Christ. We have to study Christ and we have to preach Christ so that we ourselves and the people who hear us begin to interpret everything else in the world in light of the beauty of Christ. And as they see more and more of him, they will become less and less satisfied with whatever alternative the world claims to be able to offer. And I know that I say this all the time in these little looking unto Jesus sessions that we're having, but I I want you to know I say it to myself because I so desperately need it. I need to, you need to, not just look unto Jesus, but look more and more and more unto Jesus. And then as Christ's ministers, as his heralds, we need to preach more of Christ. Preach so much of Christ and preach him in such a way that it will make God's people dissatisfied with every alternative. Well, I hope this has been helpful. I hope that this shows you once again our need of Jesus. Always. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world. It doesn't matter the circumstances. Our need is always the same. To know more of Jesus. And this is why we study the scriptures. And again, this is why we also read very, very old books. God bless you.